Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fairly Normal. I'm Josh Wolf. I'm here with Brian Redman. What's up, Josh? What's up, man? Walking into the Casa de Lobo. Yeah, it's it's weird when I go to uh, fellow comics' houses and they're so adult and nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go to my house, you're stepping on condoms. And, and <laughs> I will tell you, in my son's room, um, you know, and he's 18, I was walking towards his bed mm -hmm. and he said this to me Ooh, don't step on that sock oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh boy who's washing that one you know my brother when um we were growing up my brother used to only get those white socks that had the gold in the tips mm -hmm. And later I asked him why. And you know why he told me? Because when you jerk off into a mom couldn't see the stains. Oh, that's smart. That's really it's smart. like, I've, I'd never met anybody who was so, had so many advanced thoughts about masturbation. Oh, I mean, I, I, I look back at how I did it and I'm very, very embarrassed because, see, I never masturbated using my hand until I was in college. What did you use? I would hump pillows. And... I just thought it would like felt better. And what I did is my, my mom or I had this uh, big laundry bag. It was a, a very soft, silky laundry bag. And yeah. so I would take the clothes, dump them out, put the laundry bag on a pillow and, and, and hump it. And it would feel great. Like, yeah. I, I, but the thing is, is I would just like wipe it off real quick and then turn it inside out and then put all my clothes back in it. And it I remember thinking like, oh, my mom doesn't know what all this, what, like it would be covered with white stuff. Like the bag never, like after like the third year, the bag just looked like it, I don't know. Like, Did you wash it? No, I never washed it. I never oh. thought to wash it because I thought my mom doesn't know what that is. It's just dirt. Yeah. She just thinks it's a dirty bag. And like, and I never thought to like just wipe it. I don't know why. All my pillows also, because sometimes I wouldn't use the bag. All my pillows had like that weird stain in the oh middle. Oh my God. You know what's funny? And being a parent, which I can tell you for sure is the truth, okay? Sorry, everybody. That's the tiny little alarm in my house. Um, parents know. Yeah. I thought the same thing as you. When you're growing up, you think your parents are dumb. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Is, is that it ends up being you have the discussion with yourself if you're single or with your wife. Are we going to bust him for fucking everything? Because right. if we bust him for everything, we're never going to stop busting him. If we bust him every time we know he lies, mm -hmm. we're going to be telling him he's a liar all of the time. Right. So you really have to pick and choose your battles. And I find that masturbation is not a battle that I want to get into. No, I think that's something you should promote. If anything, yeah. like let the kid get these this this energy out of it, oh. this this Satan out of his body. Hundred <laughs> percent. But you know what's funny is that like when you're a kid, you think you get away with shit. Like right. you know, I had to tell my son, look, I I understand that you're in the shower for like thirty minutes, um, where you have some sort of water crisis. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to masturbate in your room like the rest of us. Right. Like yeah. on a dog. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's funny you say silk because, and then we can hop into something else, but I used to buy myself, because I'm a masturbate and sock guy. Okay. Because it- I've never even done that before. It's self-contained. There's no mess. Right. You take the sock off, it's like a, it's like a condom, but with a little room. But I would buy myself, I had masturbation socks because I would buy silk socks. I never masturbated in cotton. 
Right. Because there's a little wear and tear in there. Yeah, I was going to say, so you actually put the sock on it and use the sock as like a, an imaginary vagina, like a fleshlight for your feet. Yeah, but you sometimes, and sometimes you jerk off with your hand and just the tip in the, but it's a, such an easy cleanup. Right. I was never the guy, and I have friends who would jerk off onto their own stomach. Yeah, see, I was never a, I masturbate so much, I never got to the point where it explodes out anymore. <laughs> so mine just kind of hand puppets into my hand, and I just collect it like, like you know how you can make your hand like talk like a hand puppet? Yeah. Like it would just be like a little pond, and then I would just take the, go to the bathroom, put the pond in the sink. Yeah, do you ever like collect it and make a little like? No, no. But it is weird when it shoots out, because I'm not, I usually never shoot, and then once in a while, you know, if you had like a girl like, like mess with you all night and then you didn't get any and you go home and you're like fuck i'm gonna masturbate then sometimes it shoots out and i've you know i think we've all accidentally like shot on our face uh, or something like that worst <laughs> that's the worst it is the worst that's the worst the, that uh i will tell you what also isn't good i've had obviously when my son was a baby i've had a pee in my mouth oh yeah when you change a yeah, diaper yeah i've always seen that on the internet so no, it's not it's, great no. and i always tell people that urine from a six-month-old tastes way different than a urine from oh, a 20 does? from a 21 now which one do you prefer if you had to choose one the six-year-old is a lot purer a lot purer yeah it's pretty okay. it's organic you know what i mean <laughs> it's, and it's from you it's part of your seed yeah, so it's, it's not as bad it's not as bad um all right <laughs> you're from ohio right yes columbus how long have you been in la uh, I moved out when I was 29 and I'm 41 now. So yeah, about 11 to 12 years. And you moved out. Why? Uh, I met Joe Rogan, uh, on the internet and, uh, he started having me come to his shows. And then, uh, one day he's just like called me up and was like, Hey, what do you, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, uh, I'm a, I work at gateway computers. And he's like, want to move to California and, and just film me and make small videos for me and do it. I'm like, is this a real question? Yeah. Yeah. So, the, you know, I put in my, two, I was about to put my two week notice into gateway. I was like, Hey, I need to talk to you. I, and he goes, I need to talk to you also. Actually we're closing gateways, closing all their stores. And so here's a severance package for $5,000. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, what do you want to know? Talk about, I'm like, Oh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> later. Holy shit. So you might not have got that severance. Yeah. If I would have like, I don't know if that didn't happen like that. If I would have put my two week notice in a day before, yeah. or, or if I just did it before he even told me, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Was Gateway the computer that came in the cow, cow box? box? Yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. Um, so you, when you came out, the idea was that you would film because I remember the beginning of that, and yeah. you were just filming. But this was like pre YouTube. everybody was doing that. Yeah, there was no YouTube at the time. See what I was. I went to school for like web design and. I'm like a huge nerd. So I, f I was really good at filming and editing, which I taught myself uh, how to edit on Premiere or whatever it was. And then I was really good at compressing the video to be really, really small so you could put it on your website because right. they didn't have like streaming sites like YouTube and stuff yet. So I would do it for Doug Stanhope and then Joe started seeing me do it for Doug and was like, hey, come to some of my shows. I'll fly you out to Texas. Just bring your camera. And uh, then I used to do it so much. So then when I moved to California, the idea was just to do what I was already doing but full time. So I would go to the comedy store every weekend or whenever Rogan was there, I would follow him right behind him with a camera and just record everything. So I would, I would come home with four tapes, you know, of just four, How many hours? Of I think it was, I don't remember anymore. Yeah. Jesus. It was only a couple of years ago, but I think it was like 90 minutes of tape or something. Right. I don't even remember. But I would have just bags of tapes. And so I got, did that for so long. I mean, I have crates 
of just like comedy store from 11 years ago, like the whole night of a Friday night, you know, and all the people that come up to Joe yeah. and Joe would interview. And I would make these videos. We, I made about, I don't know, 11 episodes and they were all, they were cool. They were really fun. How long were the episodes? Each one was about 10 minutes. And, uh, but what did you guys, when you did that, like mm -hmm. even when he was thinking that mm -hmm. what at that point, what's the end game? Just con still just content or what? Um, it was for his website. It was promotion. It right. was uh, like I would film, you know, let's say 20 hours of footage. And then I would try to find all the stuff that I thought was interesting and try to make a story out of it. So I actually had to kind of create like these little short films almost. And a lot of times there was nothing. Like a lot of times it was just random and I would have just make something to make it make be interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then that went on for a while, you know, and it became pretty popular and then MySpace came out and that was really nice for MySpace because MySpace had video and then YouTube came out and then it got better. And then one night, Polly Shore, who owns, his mom owns the comedy store, kind of was like, wait, you guys are like making a TV show or something here. Like, I, I don't like this. No more filming for you. And so he- Is that right? Yeah. He told me I'm not allowed to bring cameras anymore. I'm not allowed to do anything. I mean, this is Polly telling Joe Rogan, hey- even though you sell out every single yeah. show and, and you make us so much money, you're not allowed to do this because I have a TV show about the comedy store coming out on TBS, and I think this is like you know conflict of interest. Or By whatever. the way, it, it only could have it only would have helped his show. Yeah. Oh yeah. He doesn't get he still to this day. I don't think no. A lot of people don't get like stuff like that. Yeah. Well, then. I would still come every week though, you know, that for months I would still come and I would, it just made me take my nice big cameras and then invest in very small cameras. So I, I had about four cameras on me at a time. I would have like these tiny little Get cameras. Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah, yeah, just in case if something happened. I wouldn't film, but if something crazy happened, I'd pull one out and it looks just like, you know, like, it was just like, you know, a, a pocket camera, yeah. like, but that had video. And then one day, uh, Carlos Mencia and Joe Rogan had the, the famous fight on stage. Yeah. I was sitting in the front at the time, and Ari, I think it was Ari Shafir, somebody runs out, goes, Brian, do you have a camera on you? And goes, yeah, yeah, I have a camera. He's like, go inside right now, just record everything. And so- That was your recording? Yeah, so I recorded the whole entire uh, Carlos Mencia thing, and then that night I went home and stayed up till about- I don't know, seven in the morning. Is that pre-YouTube also? Uh, no, this was right when YouTube came out. Right. 2007 or something like that. It was a couple, like a year or so. So I went home, edited the whole thing for like eight hours. I was up to like seven in the morning, released it, and then went to bed, woke up at like four in the afternoon. I was like, oh, I wonder how that video went. It was almost a million when I w woke up. Yeah. It was on like every single website. It was like my emails were like millions, like friend requests on MySpace out of control and I was like oh my god well, this is bigger than I thought it was going to be <laughs> that was I have to tell you that was the first video and I'm I, I can't believe you're the one who shot it that's the first video that I remember that happening to yeah. in our community yeah. right in our community right. where I was like oh and it was the first time that I think again in our community that I recognized oh this is a powerful medium mm-hmm do you know what I mean? It mm -hmm. can fucking destroy somebody. Right. And it did. And it did. <laughs> Overnight no, almost. <laughs> that video took him from selling 30,000 tickets in Houston mm -hmm. to now not selling out every show at the Funny Bone. Not even selling it. Like uh, barely at all anymore. It's it's amazing, right? That, mm -hmm. that And that video was really the catalyst. And then he started to dig a little bit of his own hole. 
Yeah, he, he he definitely hurt himself more than he he helped himself. Like looking back at it, there was things that he could have done yeah. to to save himself a little. Now what? And by the way, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I have people on that I'm interested in. Um, some people are pioneers. Some people I like people with a lot of hustle. And like you are at the forefront of this movement. And dude, like I follow you online. You're nonstop. Right. You're not. You are nonstop. So. Mm-hmm. Single life. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, have you always, like, at Gateway, were you nonstop? Or is it just this is like, oh, I fucking love this. So this is. Well, back in Ohio, it was get me out of Ohio. So I tried everything. Right. And, like, I was constantly hustling. Like, uh, before I met Doug Stanhope and, and, and Joe Rogan, I was hustling Nine Inch Nails. And, and I would, like, uh, I was a huge fan of Nine Inch Nails. And one day I was like, you know what? I want to meet. Trent Reznor I would mm-hmm. love to be able to get backstage passes I wonder how I can do this and I'm just looking at the CD and I look on the bottom and his record company was in Cleveland Ohio and I was in Columbus and I was like I wonder if I just contact them if I say I have like a, a fan club newsletter or something mm-hmm. like that because this was before blogs or anything this was way I mean a long time ago yeah so it's when Nine Inch Nails had it, CDs yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> So so I went to, I got a bunch of magazines from the library. I made a bunch of copies of Trent Reznor's face and stuff. Made up a fake newsletter at Kinko's with fake to the editor, like questions and answers and fake stories that I just wrote that, you know, based off, of, you know, our, and I made this about four page newsletter and I contact him. I'm like, hey, I got this newsletter. I have about a hundred subscribers of people. I drop them off at record stores and, and I would like to interview Trent Reznor. It's all about Nine Inch Nails. It was called Ninhead. Instead of like Deadhead, it was called Ninhead, like Nine Snailhead. And so they were like, sure, send us a copy. We'd like to see this. And so they contacted, gave me their publicist. I sent it to the publicist. Publicist just calls me up and he goes, I love this. You do this? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you know what? You get photo passes, backstage passes to Fuck any Nine you. Inch Nail show or anyone on their record label, Marilyn Manson. Really? Uh, yeah. So then for years, I was just going to every Nine Inch Nail show. I had photo passes where I got to stand in the front row and take photos of my favorite artists. Then I got to interview him and then go backstage and just hang out in the green room. Like, see, this is this is what I love, dude. Okay, because it's people who go, "Well, I could never." Mm-hmm. Well, how am I gonna ever? There are a million Nine Inch Nails fans. Right. You're a guy who picked up a phone and fucking called somebody. Yeah. You know, look, um, my wife and I, when we were getting married, okay, we had set up, we had planned a wedding that was way too. We didn't have any money. We were paying, we were living month to month at the time. And um, she just came up with this, I, she's great at ideas. We came up with ideas. She started, we started making belts and belt buckles. Cool. Pretty ridiculous. We would go down to Mexico. We found people who made them the belt and buckle for $7 total. I think I've told this story before. I don't know. And then I sold them to Fred Siegel for $350. Wow. Okay. We were running a little short. And I was like, I need a department store. I need a big fucking order. I drove to Nordstrom. The, I drove from here to San Francisco because I knew that the number one store in Nordstrom was there. It was called store number one. So I was like, I'm going to fucking get into Nordstrom. And Nord, they were like, you know, I went and I basically walked into the manager, the general manager's office. And I was like, this is, I need to sell these to you because I'm $20,000 short for this wedding and to live for the next three months. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do this, my wife is not going to have a wedding. Wow. And the guy was like, well, I, the woman was like, I can't help you because we don't buy here, but I'm going to call Seattle 
because they buy up there for the exact basic reason that happened to you. Somebody just asked. Yeah. It's, I didn't have the no in my head, right? Right. You had the, well, fuck it. There's an address. They put the ad. That's what I always go. Like, they wouldn't put an address or a number down there if they didn't want anybody to ever reach out. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They would leave it. So, have you, like, so where does that come from for you? Was it through your parents? You know, I have no idea. I know my dad's an engineer, so he always looks at things different. And he would, like, growing up, you know, we never took our car to ever get fixed at a shop. I had to like take the alternator out and he would show me how to do it. And then, you know, brakes and oil, it was a pain in the ass. Cause I had to, you know, right. do all this crap. But I, I think maybe a little bit of it is looking at something and trying to figure out how it works and how I can get into it or, you know, like figure it out. And I think that's what it comes like. I, I like Trent Reznor. I like Nine Inch Nails. How do, can I meet them? And it's just kind of like a, you look at something and, and you try to look at it for like a back door or a well, side door. And it actually makes sense. Like a, if you use that car example for your dad, right? Mm-hmm. You see a problem. And so you're not, you were not taught that somebody else is going to fix this problem for you. Right. You were taught there's a problem. Get out there and fucking fix it. Exactly. Well, so that's crazy. Is it, is it one of those things? Because look, I was a kid and having raised kids. Right. I look back on some of the things that I, as a kid, cursed my dad up and fucking down about. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, thank God mm-hmm. he did that. Is that one of those, like, I'm sure when you were young, you were like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, and I think that just that alone, like now, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like I haven't, you know, since I lived to LA, I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to just get my oil changed yeah. at Jiffy Lube, you know, yeah. but it's really cool to know, all right, I know how to do it if I have to do it or, but uh, yeah, I think that was important because I, I, I have a lot of friends that have kids and and the parenting nowadays is just like, you know, give them an iPad and that's it, you know, and I, I I think my dad definitely, I had a, a very unique childhood because of my dad being that. Like, I mean, my dad's trying to break perpetual motion in his, like, he, he is a mad scientist. When, is he really? Yeah, like, you go to his basement or his work sh- shed thing he built. He He's, it's just a bunch of weird inventions he's trying to make. Uh, he, you know, like he's one of those guys like, you know what? I want a, uh, a greenhouse with a hot tub. Mm-hmm. So he just busted down one of our walls in our house and just built it. Did and he really do he, that? Yeah. And he took an old Volkswagen, uh, 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 engine to make it the engine or the, the motor for the hot tub. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And, uh, wait, 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 wait. So your, your dad built a hot tub, a hot tub. with a Volkswagen beetle, beetle, uh, engine. engine. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. He made sol- he, we we had solar collectors in the early '80s. He built solar collectors on our house, and it heated up our whole entire house and all of our water in our house. And uh, like he just figured out what a solar collector was and made it. <laughs> That's what what do, you, what do you think is the coolest thing? If you give that example of your dad, what's where you're like, I can't fucking believe he did that. The solar thing, by the way, in the '80s, mm-hmm. it, he's 40 years ahead of his time. Right. Yeah. I mean, they people still haven't caught on. They right. will in a couple of years. Right. Has he been solar since the 80s? No, he recently tore it all down because he needs to redo it because it was just so old. Right. Uh, and he hasn't got around to doing that because he's just like... He did it all himself, man? Yeah, he did it all himself. Were you his helper? Uh, not on that because it was on the roof of a second floor, floor house. Yeah. So that was really high up. But I, I helped him with the, the greenhouse a little. Uh, and his, all his other projects. I mean, he has a new project. Every time I go home, he's doing something different. Now it makes sense to me, man, because look, uh, 
you are like I, I told you when the we were the mics weren't on, but you were at the forefront of a movement that is like and I and Joe too, right? Mm-hmm. Started a movement that is now seemingly unstoppable. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it, not just content, but uh personal content, mm-hmm. right? Where almost voyeuristic periscope pre-periscope. Yeah. Well, That's what you were doing, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, even when I was in Ohio, uh, when webcams uh, first came out, they they had some sites where they had like you could like upload a webcam image and it would refresh every ten seconds. Yeah. You know? So it's like 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 it was like Periscope, but like one frame every ten seconds, like you old know? porn, like old porn. Yeah. So I <laughs> I had my whole house I had a camera in every room of my house at the time, like a webcam in, in really, and I would have it so you could just go to my house and see what I was doing twenty four hours a day. And this was like before YouTube and before all of this. That's Big Brother. Yeah, That's Big a Brother. TV show called Big Brother. Yeah, and I don't ever, I never realized why I did that, and it was so weird when. Why when, do you think? Because I will tell you something just from following you. That, by the way, everybody that nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> just from following you, you have very few lines not that i shouldn't say that because when i say lines that are willing you're not willing to cross that makes it sound like you're a shock guy you're not right you just are open mm-hmm. period right yeah because i where I th- did that start i mean because it's, having a camera in every room pre periscope and pre all that shit even pre myspace is is real forward thinking yeah i think i was always ahead in technology so when like webcams and technology and websites that came out that let you do things like this. I think I was always the first beta tester or, yeah. or I'm what they call an early adopter with everything. So I, I was always uh, grabbing on a hold of something and just doing it. And the voyeuristic thing, I'm not really sure. I'm glad it happened during the time period it did because I would even have sex on camera and thank God that footage is nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I remember Anthony from Opie and Anthony, yeah. or past Opie and Anthony, but uh, he, uh, there was a website called Pal Talk when the technology got a little bit better, where it was live streaming video with chat rooms, uh, and it was a really sh- crappy video, but uh, I met him through that, because he was huge into that, and because yeah. there would be rooms where people would be having sex, there would be rooms that are just people talking, and I remember I would have sex on there, I'd be like, hey, hon, you want to you have sex on the camera and let people watch us? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So we'd have sex while people were chatting to us and stuff, that and I'm just like- bananas. <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> happy that that didn't happen like, Wait, that, so- nowadays. That is bananas. Yeah. So you were doing that, what year, what the years you were doing that? Uh, let's see. I would probably say, let's see, if I moved out here, let's see, 2001. Have you had any of the girls contact you and be like, we don't, that's not actually on camera anymore, is it? No. And luckily the, the girl that I mostly did it with, uh, she, she was a bad person anyway, so like, like, like she's she's going. She went through that twelve steps or whatever, where she had to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And I remember we ended, and then she got pregnant, and she's like, Brian, you know, I'm pregnant, and I can't keep this kid, and and so I sold my whole entire comic book collection. I mean, I was collecting comics since I was. 12 i did too did you get them delivered to your house in the mail yeah i got me too yeah delivered but what I mean, were you what were you what did you collect mostly spider-man amazing spider-man like i had like 
from epi- or issue like 200 on and like i had i got so Aven- much- I, we did i i did avengers thor and you know what was weird that i did i did doctor strange wow I know the defenders. Remember the defenders. So I, I, but getting them in the mail was like I couldn't. It's the best. Wasn't that the the fucking? I could not wait. Do you know I got to meet with Stan Lee? I've met him a few times. Yeah, he's interesting guy. We're sitting in a meeting, right? And because he and uh, his partner, they were like, they asked me about writing a script for him. And so they were like, "Here's the idea: Will you come in and pitch?" So it's. 11 a.m. and I was like can we do a late afternoon meeting and they were like Stan does not do meetings right. past 2 p.m. Right. That's right. nap time. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meeting I'm pitching in the meeting Stanley keeps falling asleep and when he would fall asleep his partner would laugh really loudly at times when during the pitch where it didn't need and that was like their sign for him to wake up. Right. So finally like I was like three quarters through the pitch and I, he started to fall asleep and the guy started to laugh I go T- let him sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 90. How old is he? If he needs to fall asleep, he'll sleep. And just hand him the idea for the movie later. But this is getting embar- right. embarrassing to wake up this old dude. And so uh, at the end of the pitch, I handed my the dude my... And we walked. I walked out and Stanley was still, still sleeping. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to wake him. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was like 20, 19, 20, yeah. and my dad's like, "You can't keep this. You got it. You got to take care of this." So I sold my whole entire comic book collection, gave her the money. She got it taken care of. So then a couple of years ago, I get a phone call from her, and I'm like, "Oh no! What, why is she calling me?" And she goes, "I need to tell you something. I was never pregnant. I had a heroin addiction, and I used that money for heroin. So I wanted to ask for, do you forgive me?" And I'm like, "No, no, no. I don't." She's like, "Please forgive me." I'm like, Okay, fine. I forgive you, but I don't. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how much would those? Do you have any idea how much those comics would be worth now? Oh, did you have any good ones? Yeah, there was a. Oh yeah, I had tons of good ones. I mean, I was a hardcore collector. And my I, like, there's a as an example, a guy named Todd McFarlane, who yeah. is one of the most popular artists ever. Uh, I had every single issue of every single comic he ever did. His first Spider-Man when he did GI Joe and Incredible Hawk. Well, like that would have been. Oh yeah, just one issue alone, I think, is like a few hundred bucks. Yeah, that, that I, I can probably. I I remember, you know, my brothers and I all collected. You know, my brother, one of my brothers collected Amazing Spider-Man. Another guy was a Daredevil guy, and there was a Captain America guy in there. And when those things used to show up, the but by the way, those simple things of the comic book wait coming to your house, and us having to wait a week for it to come out, right? right? Those little things where everything wasn't immediately accessible to us, Mm -hmm. I think this generation loses out on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that something isn't accessible all the time and you have to be patient. The brain, their brains are different nowadays. Don't you think? That's why things like Vine and real quick cuts on YouTube and like just editing and how. Has that changed the way you edit? Do you edit differently now than you did yeah. 10 years ago? Oh, yeah, ago? absolutely. How so? It's just faster and less fat. Uh, it's more keep your attention shorter. Uh, back then, I would be making 10 to 15-minute videos for YouTube. Yeah, Nowadays, you, you don't want to go past three to four minutes. It's been scientifically proven that half, really? half the videos uh, have to, you know, people turn off after three to four minutes. But yet, when it comes to podcasts, it's the longer the better. I mean, Joe Rogan and me were doing three-hour episodes, and and well, how did you get? How did you? 
uh, how did you guys get into the world of podcast? So after the Carsman Sia video happened, Joe was banned from the comedy store, which that. is insane. And but then, a bunch of us left right around. Oh that. yeah, we I think we all kind of to agreed to leave. Yes. Like Joey Diaz left, Ari left for a bit. Like Nick Swartzen, who had the same manager or something like that as Carlos Messi, dropped his manager the next day. Like yeah. people were just we all left. Yeah, everyone was kind of siding with the the good side. Yeah, but. Uh, since we weren't going to the comedy store anymore, my job's kind of like, whoa, what do I do now? So, Joe, we started going on the road and doing it. So, I would go on the road, you know, we'll be at a weekend in Texas. So, I would film the whole weekend in Texas. And then, so we, I started making green room kind of things. Or how, many hits, things. how many hits were the videos getting on his website? And what, what kind of like, what kind of reaction were they getting? You know, back then, I don't even remember. I think it was a few thousand probably or something like that. Right. 20,000. Which back then was, was a, a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people's computers couldn't even download or watch half <laughs> yeah, the videos, yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, the Carlos Mencia video, uh, that was millions within the, like a day or two, which was but one of the biggest TV videos. TV shows yeah. were picking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on a few shows. Yeah. I, was on, I was on Adam Carolla's radio show. And what, the weird thing is I had a whole part two of the Carlos Mencia video that was going to release, which was even crazier because it showed after all that nonsense happened, Carlos actually tried to do stand up then. Like he He every, didn't yeah, get off stage? He didn't get off stage. We all left, except I was still filming. And then uh he was trying to do comedy after being defeated on stage and the whole audience just started going, na 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 na. No. And so it got to the part where people were like, na 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 but he's on stage going, Oh shut up and like still trying to do comedy through people going, na 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 That's crazy. And then he finally just like throws the mic. You down. never release that. No, because I actually was editing it, and I told Adam on his radio show that he, yeah, about it, and he's like, well, you got to come back when you release part two, and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to release it in a bit, so yeah. yeah. Then Carlos Mencia's people like, you released that video, we're suing you, and- Suing for what? I don't know, man, but when I was back then, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. I mean, I'm, that's too adult for me, so- I never released it, and you know nowadays I don't even know where that footage is. I'm sure if I went through bo my boxes of stuff, I'd find it. But uh, nowadays I don't really even care because I feel so sad for the poor Carlos. <laughs> By the <laughs> way, I agree with that. Like, yeah. I take the high road. Nowadays yeah. I've, I've changed a lot. You know, since then. it's like taking the high road is just the easier route. Always having less enemies, especially in this town. You know, it's crazy to have enemies in this town. Especially like, look, you know. In the in the comedy community, um, and this has changed as I've gotten older too, but like there's a slice of the pie for everybody. Right. Look, you know, I I toured with Larry the Cable Guy for years, and I used to hear comics bash him, and I was like, he's selling fifteen thousand tickets a night. Right. What are you bashing? Those are called haters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, Jealous you don't have to think he's funny. Right. But there's a slice of the pie for him. Absolutely. Like what? So I. I don't know if it's like this in every... I don't think... I bet you accountants aren't like that fucking guy over at Anderson, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think it is about... It's egos. It's 100% egos. And it's it's spots in LA. You know, like, like people hate a lot on, on, on me because a lot of people see me working for Joe Rogan, like that, that lucky guy, like, you know... But you hustled for it. Yeah, but a lot of people don't think, look at it that way. A lot of people look at it like, I'm smarter and funnier than that guy kind of thing. Plus, you also mix in the UFC meatheads with that yeah. that equation. Then you just got like, look at the little fat tubby <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, why is he hanging out with Joe Rogan? You know, uh, but 
in in LA as an example, like the comedy store, I could see people hating on each other because there's only so many spots. Right. You know, like tonight, uh, in a couple of hours, I have like this crazy show. I saw that lineup. Yeah, it's insane. insane. Yeah. I mean, it's like Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, David Tells a Secret Guest, Jim Florentine, and it's just n- it's nonstop. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. But there's people that are hating me because I wouldn't put them on with those people. And I'm like, look, man, how I can't have an infinity lineup, yeah. you know? <laughs> like I You gotta cap it. Right. So then I think hate comes from that. Like like stage time. But and, then work and, harder. Like yeah. that's always been my thing. You know, and I always I use Dane as the example because he would be the most high profile example. Whether you think he's funny or not, to me, is irrelevant. Right. He's got 3.5 million followers. He's doing something right. He's speaking to an audience that let's use um, who's who's a good. We'll use Burr, we'll use Burr as an example. Burr also huge audience. I bet you Burr's and Dane's audiences are completely different. Way different. Well, good. So they're both servicing. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, if, how many people live in Los Angeles alone? Like, yeah. like, is that a, like, is it eleven or is it twenty million people? A I, fuck something load. crazy. Yeah. Right. There's only three hundred people coming to the three hundred fifty people coming in the show. Yeah. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's enough for everybody. Yeah. And at the end of the day, for me as a comedian, right? Whether I think he's funny or not, I will tell you something. Dane's out seven nights a week. He, oh yeah. He fucking hustles. He hustles. And say what you want about his material. As a performer, it's hard to take your eyes off of him. Yeah. He's a fucking, right? So I just like, I don't quite understand because for me also, like, look, the more good shit that happens to the upper tier comics, the more good shit that's going to happen to us, Mm -hmm. they can't work every fucking job. They can't do every TV show. It's a trickle down. They right. want comedy, right? So that I think the hate is like so fucking destructive. And not only that, it's a waste of time, man. Yeah. I don't really get the hate unless somebody hates on me then I then I retaliate. Like there's a there's been so many like I've been, you know, the the when I created Death Squad, tell everybody because listen, yeah. you're right now you're talking to an audience. Right. That really knows nothing about that. Okay, so uh, when I started going on the road with Joe, when, right. you know, doing these videos, after like a year or two of doing that, I just kind of got bored with that. Like, I, I was like, all right, there's only so many videos I can make of Joe Rogan in a green room about to go on stage, and, you know, we're yeah. in Texas again, you know. So I was looking, how can I make this one easier for me because i've been filming all this i'm coming home with boxes of tapes i can't make anything anymore of these tapes i can't make up fake stories you know so how can i make this easier on me faster because a lot of times these videos would take me months to edit because i'm just trying to make something out of nothing right so then i was like how can i make it faster to the audience easier and uh i don't know like interactive so i started bringing my laptop on the road and doing this thing called Justin TV, which was like early Ustream. Uh, it's now Justin TV was bought and renamed Twitch, yeah. which is a live streaming video game platform. But back then it used to be just like Ustream, live video. And I would set it in the green room and then me and Joe and Joey Diaz or whoever was with us on the road would just all sit there with on video and tape and talk to the fans. Like people would be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, would like t- it was like Periscope. Right. Uh, and then was that kind of a revelation when you were like, "Oh, people are fucking love this." Yeah, yeah, that was. And 
I wasn't filming anymore. It was like Joe's doing it live. So there's no reason for me to use this because right. it's already out there now. So then... When you did that, was there a place that it lived or it yeah. only would it only stayed live? It was it was stayed at Justin TV and you could rewatch it on Justin TV. Now that's footage is all gone right. forever, but uh uh then a while later Joe and me like Joe's like we should just live stream from my house. You know, like we should just like set up the laptop at my house as like and, and do it so me and joe on christmas eve were there podcasts at the time you know podcasts actually came out a long time ago they just never caught on so uh, had they caught on yet no what no. would you say was the biggest do you have any idea what the adam biggest carolla podcast? adam carolla was i was the probably the person that he had just lost his job at the radio station and i think i might be wrong about this but i think he was just starting podcasting yeah when we did this now we weren't thinking podcasts at this point. We were thinking live video show, and uh, so we did like three episodes. Interactive. Yeah, just me and Joe in his in his house at his house with a laptop, just talking about the. What people going on. could talk to you. People, people were talking to us. We had a chat room, mm -hmm. and but we'd do this for like three hours, and then one day we we're like, we should just take the audio from this and put it on iTunes and make it a podcast. Mm -hmm. So then we started doing changing things a little. Every week, me and Joe would go to like like Fry's or Best Buy and like buy new equipment and change things. And then we started getting new microphones. Then I would have to read. I mean, I knew nothing about audio engineering at all. So then you I, didn't, no. Be because you were producing the show. Uh, yeah. So then I had to learn how to use a mixing board. I, I had to research what mics to use. And every week it was a test. Like we'll try this mixing board out. Oh, I get it. I had to figure out how to use it. And then, so it would upgrade. So what was cool about the Joe Rogan experience is that it started off so garage band. Yeah. Like, like out of nowhere. And it every, I mean, nowadays it's five camera HD shoot. And you know, we got like, you know. But if you had intense, to learn every to step learn, of the way. I had to learn how that, then I had to learn how to take the audio and make it a podcast. I learned how to make a podcast website, how to make it on iTunes, how to fix the audio, how to learn Logic Pro, which is like a... See, <laughs> how can people possibly hate on you, dude? Because you, what you're talking about is 100% self-motivated hustle. Yeah. So where's the... like? That's to me, like the people who are hating are the people who want it to be easy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of dumb people out there. And... and, and and there's a lot of things where like say like we have a podcast where there's like a, a static noise mm -hmm. and stuff like that look me and joe had know nothing about this this was like a hobby that we were trying right so they would get mad at me for that you know and it would be something like we learned that you're not uh, one of his power outlets were not grounded so the whole time that we're talking it, there's like a hum and it's static to it and we had no idea that his power outlet wasn't grounded so it was like <laughs> every every episode and i figured it out yeah. I was, and i was like why are we like why is, what's this hissing noise i was like then i plugged in this thing and found out that it wasn't grounded so then he had to like we had to change outlets and change so what it, was the moment where you were like oh this is something uh i think it, it was pretty quick i think maybe around the 10th episode we became like number two or one on itunes and then it was just whoa, yeah. we're getting millions of people a week listening to us. And what do you think it was about, about the show that really 
uh, resonated with people? At the time, I think Joe had a lot of fans to begin with because mm-hmm. of uh, Fear Factor, UFC, News right. Radio. So I think when people found out that they could have, you know, an a intimate conversation, con- yeah, of people talking about weird stuff too. Because at the beginning, I mean, Joe still does it to this to this day, but we've already gone through the main topics so much, right? Uh, but, but back then, it was like you know, we didn't go to the moon. Bigfoot's real, yeah, and all these insane conspiracies that Joe believed in. And me, who didn't believe in any of them, but didn't want to, like, like I would say, I, I, no, I think we went to the moon. And then he would yell at me for two hours. And that was a podcast about, about no, Brian, we went, we did not go to the moon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Bigfoot is not real. Bigfoot's not real, no. Do you know, I had a conversation with one of the, I interviewed one of the guys on the- Bigfoot sur- show? Yeah. I probably know him. Who, which one? The dude with the hat. Crazy the- hat. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. We had okay. that guy too. So, do you know the question I asked him? And I go, listen, well, I... Why are you lying to me, boy? Yeah. <laughs> I said to him, I want this to be real. There's nothing I want more in life for Bigfoot to be real. Which is true. How great would that fucking be? Mm-hmm. Okay? Tell me, and I just said, tell me one thing. I've been in the woods a bunch. I've seen deer carcasses. I've seen raccoon bones. No Bigfoot bones? Right. Ever? No. Not one? Absolutely not. The guy laughed like I was the stupidest fucking person in the world. He was like, see, that just shows you how ignorant you are. I'm like... No, that dude's an idiot. We had him on the show, and and we talk about that guy all the time. He said, "Everybody, everybody knows... That the Bigfoot buries their own. And I was like, oh, does everybody know that? <laughs> how do you know that? How do you know that? Yeah, how how do you... you know that? Did Bigfoot write you a letter? Because you've never seen a Bigfoot, so yeah. how would you know they and, bury and, their own? And the shit that I hate about that is like, dude, I'm a, an adult. You're an adult and you're lying to me. Yes. You know, don't even, like, just get out of here. Get away from me. Like, I don't want you around me Are anymore. there any of those crazy ones? Are there any of those things that you do believe in? Are you, are you, uh, the closest one I believe in, and this is not like, like a hundred percent, but I really find it interesting is simulation theory, uh, kind of like matrix stuff. Yeah. I just think like, look, this, this phone or your laptop that was created in the last, whatever, 20, 30 years, that technology, just computers and stuff in general, home computers. They've nowadays you can do so much in just five years ago. We couldn't do. Now, what happens in 30,000 years, 3,000 years from now? Right. You know, when your iPhone, when like, it has to be insane. And I think one of the biggest things is being able to create simulation worlds, like, like, like create a world. It has to be you so like- realistic that I could sit down, plug my, my brain into a hologram laser machine or whatever it is yeah. back then. And that I could simulate life. Like to Sims the point, for real. Sims for real to the point where I think... It's real. Can I ask you a question about that? Because I don't think we're actually that far off from that. Right now. Right now, I don't yeah, think yeah. we are. Now imagine thousands of years from now. How in-depth are you talking about a world? Are you still talking about a world, not just one where you can walk around a fake house, but you could go to the airport and get on a plane and fly somewhere? Like that, like an entire world? Yeah, we're living it right now. That's what I'm saying, is that right now, we are in the simulation. When we go to bed at night and we just decide, hey... I think it's normal for us to close our eyes and just die and then wake up eight hours later and be like, oh, that, it worked, well, you know? There's something to that also, like some kind of 
reprogramming of that. like we're downloading the next day while we're sleeping or something what you're thinking is that we could be somebody's sim yeah our, you, or ourself that's fucking i'm so and, and there's and there's like things like deja vu you can think about like what was that it was oh you know in the you know the computer had a hiccup or something like well, that deja vus do and always have freaked me out a little yeah, bit deja vus there's yes. a lot of them there's a lot of weird things do like you that. believe in because i will tell you the one thing that i believe in that's close and that as far as in the realm of people being skeptical i don't and i don't even know if i call them ghosts here's what i do believe i believe that we're all made up of energy oh i believe that 100 okay i believe sometimes that energy stays and it just looks for a different place to be, mm-hmm. right? So not everybody, I don't think everybody turns into, for lack of a better word, ghost. But I think some people's energy, for whatever reason, is looking for someplace else to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. energy, it's like water doesn't die. Like the right. same water that we're drinking right now was in a dinosaur's vagina millions of years ago. No wonder it tastes so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, I don't think energy dies. It doesn't die, like right? Energy. I, to me, energy just gets absorbed into yeah, different yeah. places. And you can, you can. When somebody comes up to me, I can detect energy without even. They could have a smile on their face. 100%. I could feel something's not right with this. Or when somebody's looking at you, and you turn around, and there's somebody looking at you. You're like, how did I feel that there was somebody looking at me? Things like that. It says, it, I had the weirdest thing happen. Here's a good example of why I believe in this. I have so many weird things happen. Like, as an example, uh, I, was, I haven't seen this guy that I know in maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, I'm just sitting with my friend, and I look over, and I'm like, whatever happened to so-and-so? I, is he still around? I've never, I haven't seen him in so long. Like, and then literally 12 hours later at, in Burbank, I'm coming, going into the grocery store. The grocery store opens, and there he is just walking right out. There's millions and millions yeah. of people in Los Angeles. I haven't seen this guy in three years. I haven't even thought of this guy in three years. But yet, he walks right in front of my face 12 hours later. That goes to, look, I, when the book first came out, I was like, this is the biggest load of shit. But when I started to think about the idea of the secret... I almost played into the energy thing that I was talking about because I do believe when you put good energy out, good energy comes back. Right. Right. So, so then I was like, well, this kind of plays into what I was, what I think, which is I'm putting energy out that I want this. So it's better than putting energy out that I don't want it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it maybe attracts, do you know what I'm saying? Right. And I, I'm with you, like for people who don't believe in energy and I, I would just tell them, haven't you ever stood in front of somebody or haven't you ever seen somebody walk into the room and the room changes because they walk in? Absolutely. That's energy. Yeah. Like, you know, I will tell you that some, and some of it is given to them, but I had the, I was, I've been around Jennifer Lopez a couple of times because working on Chelsea's show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When she walks into a room with your back to her. You can feel something change in the room. It makes everybody turn around. Well, she has the storage unit but for, <laughs> for energy in her butt. I mean, she's got to like yeah, yeah. She is storing up some. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I have to agree. I have to believe that. I have to believe that because. All right, I will tell you that I've seen one person die, and. The difference between that person and they, it wasn't like they were alive and active. They were in a hospital bed on their last breath. The difference between that person 
breathing, even short mm-hmm. and not breathing. Oh yeah. It's weird, right? To tell me that I didn't see a completely different energy. I, you couldn't tell me that because right. I could tell by looking at her, she's alive there and looking back cause you couldn't, she wasn't breathing deep enough to know looking back and going, Oh, she's not alive now. Yeah. Like it's a, it's weird. It's a life force. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way you can tell me that doesn't exist. Yeah. Now did you start trying to like suck the air energy around her? Like, <laughs> I was like, I need, I need a little extra energy. Bring it in here. Uh, <laughs> when did you, um, when did you start death squad? So after, tell people what Desquad. Yeah. Is. So 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 what happened is is uh you know we would go on the road all the time. With, That's my wife. Hey, it's how you Bethany. doing, Brian? Hi. How you doing? Nice to meet you, Brian. <laughs> Hi, Bathers. Hi, That's all right. So uh, after like maybe ten episodes or so of doing this, I started buying equipment for my house because I was trying to learn how to. Do you use a mixing board? Yeah. So I, Joe would just be like, all right, let's get two mixers. And then I could use one at my house and try to figure it out. So then I was started just building my own home studio so I could practice how to do the soundboards. So me and Joey Diaz would mess around. He would come over, he would, you know, smoke, smoke out and then just, you know, talk. Yeah. And then one day I was like, you know what? All, so many of my friends, they're so funny. And they should do podcasts. If this it's working so good for Rogan, yeah. Why isn't Ari Shafir doing this? Why isn't Sam Tripoli? So I started making. I'm like, hey Ari, I want to do a podcast with you. So you could have your own podcast. Come over. So we started doing the Ari Shafir podcast, Tom Segura. And so I just took all my friends, yeah. and made them podcasts. Like I would be the the co-host, like I did on the Joe Rogan podcast, and then just help them do it, and then edit it for them, and put it up. So. I just created all these podcasts and I decided my idea was that uh, it was like it should have a network, meaning uh, we would call ourselves Death Squad and it would have shows underneath that. So, Were there any other networks at the time? I, don't I really don't think, think there I don't were. think there was. I don't think there were. And, they, and, and I, I based the idea off of uh, like a video, like, uh, like, uh, like Saturday Night Live, like, like if... You're you're downloading Saturday Night Live, and inside Saturday Night Live, there's like different kinds of episodes. Right. Like you know, you have the church chat, or you have oh my god, I just dated myself. So, <laughs> but uh, but you had different shows yeah. within side. So, so then, um, and the the cool thing was is that I didn't have them separated when I first started Death Squad because my idea would be you downloaded whatever Death Squad had. So this. So today I release an Ari Shafir podcast right. and then the next day I would have a whatever you know, Joey Diaz or whatever. So then you would download and be like, I love Joey Diaz. So I'm going to download Death Squad. And then you would automatically get fed like, oh, now here's Ari Shafir. Uh, who's that Ari Shafir? Seems like a great idea. Oh, yes. And it worked. Everybody, every one of those podcasts blew up. Today, Tom Segura's and Ari Shafir's are one of the biggest podcasts Joey's out there. Joey's too. Yeah. And Joey's and everybody. And so it works. So my idea was working, helping my friends, doing all the work, paying for everything, and and devoting all my time to it for free well, when to help was, my friends. Wait. So business model-wise... there was, We've never had a sponsor on Death Squad, ever. Because my idea for uh, Death Squad uh, was to um, have a uncensored uh, pirate... Radio, but how did you show. make money then? I sp- 
I have a full-time job working for Joe Rogan, so I just spent all my money on it. So my hobby was making my friends famous and having making their podcasts for them. So I would take all my money from uh, my salary, my checks, my bonuses, and I would buy web servers, space. I would buy new equipment. Uh, I was constantly upgrading everything. You've never made a dime off of Death Squad? Not 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 hold on a sec i've never had sponsors on desk my my idea is if you had a sponsor say like you had budweiser right you could oh, you can't talk about more light or if you say something wrong okay budweiser's yep. like look you know you can't do that on your show or we'll drop you so i thought keep money away from podcasting keep money away from free speech because free speech is the first thing that happened when you get money is your you can't say this now you can't yes. say this now and I also did a lot of shows with porn stars. Like I had a porn star podcast and uh, a naughty show with Sam Tripley. Yep. So uh, we, were, we weren't really the cleanest. We were very uncensored and raw. Uh, so then uh, I was like, I need to make more money. <laughs> you know, because I, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. uh, I'm spending all my money on this. But you were also, you were also making other people money. Yeah, because they would go to their comedy shows yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. So what I thought is like, I need to sell t-shirts, Death Squad t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm an artist. And so I would draw, I drew this kitty cat t-shirt. It looks, it looks like the lucky cat. Uh, and, uh, but I made it so it had like a Hitler mustache. And I, it was just like this like stupid thing. Yeah. And it was called Death Squad shirt. That shirt went crazy. Like it sold, I think I sold... 5,000 shirts or something like that in like the first couple months. Get out. Yeah. And each shirt was like 20 bucks. And that was all to you? All to me. But what I did is then I used that money to get a studio. So, because we were all doing this in my apartment. I took out, I had this little small room and I made a studio. So I had Andy Dick in my house, Steve-O. And like, I was like, why are all these, this is not great having people in your house. Yeah. (laughs) So I say Andy Dick. Why is he going to the bathroom every five minutes? (laughs) But- but so then I was like, I need to get a studio. So then I built Death Squad Studio at uh-huh. the Ice House. I founded a studio there and, uh, and bought all new stuff. So I took all the t-shirt money now to invest in the studio. So now we were, we had a full-on radio station, yeah. all of us. Uh, and we were doing that for a while. And then I would make more t-shirts. So now I use the t-shirt company to pay for all the expenses of podcasting because Whoa. it was now getting out of control because uh, we were getting so much downloads. I had to get like, you know, what were the expenses? Ex- like what, what kind of expenses come up once you already have a studio? What well, I had to pay rent every oh, month. Yeah. I have to pay insurance, which was this crazy insurance. You didn't ask the guys who were doing the shows on your network to help pay for rent. No, no, I've never done anything like that. And, and so then I was paying the rent. I was paying, um, business internet. It's not regular home internet. Yeah. Business internet's expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so on. So I was, then I started having comedy shows. So I would, at the Ice House, mm-hmm. so we would have Death Squad comedy shows. So then I was giving people podcasts. Then they, I was giving them spots. So then the fans could come see them at the spots. And all this money was, every time we got money from t-shirts or from anything we would invest in new cameras we'd invest in new microphones mm-hmm. and it was just like uh all, for, for all that so um then what happened is people started contacting my podcast and all the people on my show i was like hey you know if you come over to us yeah we got you advertising we'll yeah. get you this and that so 
they would just start leaving me slowly. So like all the podcasts started getting on different networks, you know, making money and stuff. So I then had to create new ones and then those ones would become big and then they would leave me. And so it was a nonstop thing. And I, for about three years, I would, I was doing up to like 12 podcasts a week and I was not editing them, doing the artwork for yeah. them and booking all the comedy shows that the desk squad comedy shows. I was literally like my all my relationships failed. I was like, you know, because I was just working Desk from from yeah from when I wake up three in the morning editing the last thing. I would go to but bed. As the people started to leave mm-hmm. to make money, and you saw that their their podcasts weren't being censored. Did you think to yourself? No, they were being censored. Well, they were being. censored. Oh yeah, yeah. I see it all the time, and there's all there's there's podcasts that I go on now. That they're like, you, oh, you can't say that. Or really? don't talk bad about it. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah I know. But it's I see it a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. Because the idea- And Joe Rogan podcast. We got into so much trouble with, with sponsors on the Joe Rogan podcast. Really? Yeah, because we would talk about some crazy shit. And then, you know, like, like we here at stamps.com don't really appreciate yeah, you guys. Yeah, but hadn't they listened to the fucking podcast? Do you know, listen, I did a show. Here's the, the craziest thing about those people. If you want- Water, you want some more water? Okay. Um, the craziest thing about the people on the uppity ups is they go, Oh, numbers, okay, let's invest in that. And they don't even. I did a sports show for Fox on uh, it was an early internet show and it was on foxsports.com, right? And we did things and made fun of people in a way that generally they don't allow you to do in the sports world. One of the reasons you you probably have never seen a sports comedy show that you like is because there's so much money in sports, they really censor what you can say right. because the leagues put so much money into the TV shows. Well, it was online, and they we were getting numbers online that they were fucking like, whoa, look at these numbers. This is more than our sports shows. Mm-hmm. So they're like, let's put them on fuel. They put us on fuel. The first episode aired, and somebody from Fox called and was like, what the fuck are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> Did because one of the jokes we made was that there's a guy named Digger Phelps who was a coach and he was dancing at halftime and he was a terrible old white dancer. And so one of the guys, you know a guy named Bob O'Shack? Oh, I love Bob. Okay, so Bob, anytime I get a show, Bob was the head writer on my TV show. Oh, awesome. I fucking love Bob, right? Bob wrote a joke that said, Digger, look at Digger dancing. He dances like an autistic boy who just heard a balloon pop. (laughs) Okay? Now, (laughs) which is like, the joke itself doesn't really make any sense. Right. But the visual and the language is like a a perfect Bob Oshak joke. Yes. Okay. Well, we've been telling those jokes since the first episode. The people at Fox were like, what? Are they fucking saying? Right. We were locked out the next week. Oh, wow. Locked out. Yeah. They shut us down. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to anything about that. And the, so the sponsor thing, I just never got into because I told all my people on the shows, like, look, like Tom Segura, if you want to sell a shirt, yeah, you could have a shirt. Say, go to my website, get the shirt. 
do whatever. I don't I don't want any of that money. I you you do it on your own thing. Death Squad as a network though. We're not going to you know have sponsors or, right. or something like that. So I didn't censor them to not make money or get their own sponsors and say that like hey, we're you know go to this and that and right. that and do but that. But I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I was wanting to take all the money from shirts and shows and use it for Death Squad and my own personal money. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and then, so after a while, you know, started doing, I started switching to live shows because uh, I found that that being in the studio and everything, like, was hard to get people to come to the Ice House, Mm -hmm. and and, and it was just scheduling-wise. So Live podcast you're talking about. Yeah, live Mm -hmm. podcast. So then I started doing, uh, we we started doing Kill Tony. Me and Tony had the, uh, Tony had this idea, and we worked together and created Tell everybody who Tony is and what Uh, Kill Tony is. Tony Hinchcliffe, very funny comedian, also from Ohio. Uh, He, uh, what we do is we pretty much have uh, a show where me and Tony and then two comedians uh, we do like we have open mics. We pick open uh, names from a bucket. And open mics come on stage. They do one minute of material, and then we t- try to help them out. We make fun of them. We do whatever. Dude, but I've watched the show. It's, it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's gotten so huge lately. Like, it sells out every week now, and it's gotten so big. But then after that became pretty popular, it's like you know, doing live shows is. So then I kind of switched to more of a like a live show, like doing like podcasting live shows more than I do studio and and then now i've just cut my i decided to cut all my podcasts down so now i'm only doing like three or four a week now because but i was just so overworked that i i hit something yeah and i was like you know why am i spending all my time and money on other people like i I, at first i was thought it was nice to help my friends out but then after a while i'm like that they're not calling me anymore, you know, like why? So I just, you that know. was going to be my next question, <laughs> yeah. man. Like w- at what point do you hit your limit where you're, where generous, your own generosity can be a detriment to your, yeah. your life? Yeah, it, it happened. I, last year was probably the worst year of my life. And that's when I really figured out why, that, um, a lot of reasons. I mean, when you work three years in a row, like I never took days off. Like I was working every day, like hardcore. Mm-hmm. And then I had full time Rogan. I was doing Joe Rogan's podcast like four times a week um, on top of Death Squad stuff. And so I hit a wall of just frustrations. Uh, for, uh, I was just exhausted. Yeah. And one of the biggest things was is that because Death Squad hit me so fast and so furious that. Um, I owed so much money on taxes that I didn't know what to do. Like I had all my life done my taxes every year, did myself by paper, yeah. and I started doing on TurboTax. Then one year I'm like putting in the numbers. I'm like, oh my god, I owed like forty thousand oh, dollars. So I freaked out, went through this weird depression. I just kind of acted like it didn't exist. And then now four years later, uh, IRS is just taking money. They're like I, any check I get, I only got like one tenth of it. Oh, so like my paycheck, god. I was this getting, was last year. Yeah, this started last year. So then uh, I had been living, I'm like, in my head, I was like, I'll just sell more shirts. So I'll just got to make more shirts, you know? So then I was like making more shirts just so I could have money to pay rent and everything because the IRS would take my paychecks, my my everything. How much, just out of curiosity, you don't have to say exactly, in your brain, when when IRS is taking this money, Mm -hmm. if you look back over the last three years about how much you had put back into your own business without getting... How much had you put back, do you think? Into How much my own you had business? reinvested back into your own business? Except for 
my personal rent and like a yeah. few th- like food and things like that. Probably all of it. So all of it went into Death Squad. And do you? I'm not a regret guy, mm-hmm. right? Because I always feel like whatever happened in the moment, I was thinking at that time that was the right thing. But is there anything about that you regret? Is regret the wrong word? No, yeah, I don't regret anything because I've helped all my friends. You know, listen, and you just listed four of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah, and what also I don't regret is that all those people came from Death Squad, mm-hmm. you know, originally, and and so now when I have comedy shows or whatever, you see Death Squad name, you yeah. go, oh, this is going to be a good show, you know, because. And all these people have seen Ari and and people from when they were tr- struggling comics to now being on Comedy Central. So they've seen the journey. Yeah. So a lot of Death Squad fans are hardcore because they have you know all these different timelines they've of stories. They've up grown. With them. Yeah, yeah, they've grown up to it. And so when you said at the beginning of the podcast, you asked me why I was so, you know, I always have Periscope on and I'm always yeah. showing people my life. What I think is interesting, why I do it, is because people know all of this about me. People know I, you know, I owed one hundred fifty thousand dollars in taxes. You know, and I was to the point of almost maybe thinking about suicide. Like I was not getting out of my bed for all, almost a year. I would go, Stop it. yeah, I was doing podcasting and comedy. Then I would come home, order food delivered. I would eat food in my bed. I would sleep all day. I gained like forty pounds. Did the was, people who knew you? Know, knew, know that that was happening with you at the time? No. I mean, I would joke about it. Like, oh, you know, I, I eat in bed now because, you, you know, just change the sheets right. twice a week. It's better, you know. But they didn't know <laughs> I was in bed because I just slept. I had to sleep. Had I had you ever been depressed before? Not to this point. Like, this was some legit stress. And on top of that, of dealing with all this IRS and not having any money, on top of all that, I had a relationship that was like insane. It was my, you know, I dated this girl that like I ended up having to call the police on. It got Why? really bad. It's a long story. It's a really long story. Did you have a restraining order? No, no, no. It was uh, somebody that didn't want me to break up with them. So they mm. took it to the next level. And luckily, because I'm a comedian and paranoid about crazy chicks, that I always use the voice app recorder when things get crazy and is luck, that right yeah so luckily that saved my life because how it was it just got bad and 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 it got to where is it, it was one of those things where if you hadn't recorded it it would have been her word against yours yes and i would have been arrested immediately oh my god dude yeah and so that's so was that last I'm, year too yeah so while i'm dealing with all this crazy stuff i'm dealing with that crazy stuff I'm dealing with, I I mean, it was the worst year ever. You so, said one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I I just finished all my taxes, and so I don't think I owe, that was just because I never paid for it. Like, right. So now I don't know how much I owe, but I don't think I owe that much now. But I I, I don't know yet. Can I ask you something about that? Because mm-hmm. not about the taxes, but about where you were. Because look, man, going into this, um, you know, when I have people on that I don't know that well. I research a little, but I don't research too much because I want my questions to be honest and in the moment and all that shit, right? Right. Um, so what I did know about you is that you were 100% hustle, which is one of the things I fucking love. Right. But what is the thing that triggers you 
because I, there are a lot of people who have reached out to me through this podcast about how, you know, being depressed and, you know, my idea, I always tell people, you just got to keep your legs moving. You, that way you may not go forward if life is pushing you, but you won't go backwards. Just continue to keep your legs moving, right? What is it that helped pull you out of that? Because when you look an IRS bill that big and knowing probably ballpark what you made and knowing this town, that has got to be like a fucking ginormous weight on your shoulders, right? Yeah. So what is it do you feel like that was in you or was there something that happened in your life where you were like, oh, I need to fucking get out of this? Yeah, a little. I mean, last year, like my cat, 17 years, died also. And I had like all these other horrible things that happened on top of this also. So then it was getting to the point where I was like, this is just, it's either going to get worse or I have to just fix fix this i have yeah. to figure this out and i have to tear it apart by the way your fucking dad exactly you tore it apart and fixed it so yeah so then i was like all right i i mean my the old studio at my house that i started in mm -hmm. uh was now my room where i would throw all my mail in like i would i i wouldn't check my mail for like three months because it was just all irs stuff yeah. so i'd get a trash bag empty my mailbox every three months into this huge trash bag, throw all the paperwork in there. So that room became like a crazy person's house. Like, like, so my first thing was like, all right, I just got to clean this room out. I got to throw all this away, get all my tax papers. I have no, I'm going to lose my studio. I'm going to lose everything because I can't pay for it. Cause I hadn't, IRS is taking all my money out mm -hmm. of me. So I'm like, I, so I have to find all my paperwork so I can do my taxes. So I had just started from the beginning and just did all this. And then I was like, I need to lose weight. I've gained 40 pounds this year just because of depression. So then I was like, all right, I need to lose 40 pounds in three months. So the, when I, I started my own podcast January 1st, and I was like, you know what? If Tell I, everybody what the name of that was. Uh, what Brian Redband Do. And uh, it's doing really well. Yeah, it's it's doing great. Yeah. And, and, and so, but I was like, I need to have people know what I'm doing and so I can be held accountable. So I'm like, all right, here's the podcast, guys. I'm By the way, I'm going to lose 40 pounds in three months. And so now I told them, my people that they know that I'm on a diet. Like, right. So now it's like I'm using the podcast and I'm using Periscope to, to have support of the fans to know all the crap that I'm going to help me through all this to shit. To help? Yeah, to help. Because now if I don't do it, I'll hear about it a million times on Periscope or on Twitter. Like, well, yo, dude, what happened to your taxes? Why don't you do it? You know, so, uh, so now I just last week finished all my taxes. Uh, four, four years of taxes or five years of taxes. So I got that taken care of. I got that room cleaned out and taken care of. Yeah. Now I'm going to start getting regular paychecks again, you know, because I'm, I'm not, I, the taxes are finished. Right. So now it's like after that, now I'm like, all right, now I could afford having the studio again. Now do I want the studio? But it's, I got to tell you, man, like it's fascinating to me that the thing, right? The thing that you started, even back to the cameras in your house when they, before people were doing it, the thing that you started, that part of being accessible to everybody is it ironic? Is it serendipitous that that seems to be the thing that helped pull you out? Yeah. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. It's a full circle thing. Yeah. That you went back to what you know. Right. And it kind of helped pull you out. Yeah. It's, it's, that's amazing. It's like, been a weird ass journey. <laughs> uh, I, I will tell you, like, look, and anybody who knows me knows, and I don't think that you know me that 
well to know. Like I lived in one bedroom with three kids when I was single off $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. During it, when I was in it, it was, I remember that whole why me and all that shit. But I wonder if it will happen to me, what happened to you is looking back on it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, I'm not saying that'll happen to you, but it made, <laughs> but what it did was looking back on it, it made me one, prioritize, and two, made me go, I don't ever want to fucking be here again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was like, definitely, I've definitely learned lessons through it. And I definitely think that when it's a little bit farther in the past, I probably will say, I'm glad I went through that. Cause now I'm here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I, it'll I, take a breath. It'll, man. Ta- it'll yeah. take a fucking breath. It's weird though. When you, when you, when you get to that point, how your body ch- does all these weird things just out of stress and what depression. Like I, I would, I'd notice I would catch myself always going, Ooh, I did that too. The deep breath, the deep, like you're constantly yeah, sighing. I and did deep, that like, too. That was to a point where I noticed I was yep. doing it so much, yep. and I don't do that as much now. Like I, like I, like I. That's one of the things I, I was going to. My brother said that to me. Yeah, I remember. I fucking remember. We were sitting at lunch, and he said, "Man, you're doing better, huh?" And I go, "Yeah." I go, "How can you tell?" He goes, "You don't do that deep breath thing anymore." I go, "What do you mean?" He was like. Every five minutes, it would be like you had to catch your breath, where you would just be like, <sighs> and I was like, how often did I, he was like, you did that for like two years. Yeah. Where you were just, we weren't, we never said anything to you, but it was worrisome that you always were like, had this deep breath coming out. Yeah. That's your body just trying to go fucking take it down. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And I did. I mean, I, I tried to. I tried to self help myself, but my but I did it the wrong way. I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna go to more massage parlors. I'm yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going deep. That didn't help. You tell me that didn't help. I, I, and I got I got addicted to them. But yeah. <laughs> addicted to the yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. forty dollar an hour ones. Yeah. Tell me so in this whole process, where did you start doing stand up? Because now you are a stand up. Yeah, so originally I I, I, I did stand up when I still lived in Ohio. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a fan of Doug Stanhope and Joe Rogan were my influences. Uh, By the way, anybody who hasn't heard Stanhope, oh my god, he's fucking amazing. I, I mean, I I don't know how many hours of material he has, but even Weeks. him just getting on stage and just talking is some of the funniest shit. Like I I would I would hesitate to ever say somebody's a better comedian than Doug Stanhope. Yeah, it's hard. That's a hard one because I, he, he is. I, he's one of my favorites. And I've known him for a long time. I used to make videos with him. Like when I first moved to L.A., I didn't have any friends. So I would go hang out with Stanhope and make you know videos that would troll Verizon Wireless with and stuff like know, that. he <laughs> had sex with my ex. Which one? With my the ex, not my, but the one, I only have one ex. He had sex with my ex when I was still with her. He had, my ex used to run with this girl and the stand up had a threesome with them. Wow. And then he called me and he was like, Hey man, I go, what? He was like, I feel really bad about this. And I go, what's going on? He goes, I had sex with your ex. Well, not ex, but it, that the girl at the time, I'm not going to give her a name, but he goes, I had sex with so-and-so and her friend so-and-so. And I was like, Huh. And at that point in time, I was freak. No, I was so done with the relationship. Look, 
that I was in a codependent situation. I was looking for a reason to get out. I did not freak. Maybe I freaked a little only because I knew Doug. Mm. If it had been somebody else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Weird, man. If I, but, but he called and he apologized. You know, it's funny. He reached out to me on Twitter maybe six months ago and he was like, Hey, and I go, yeah. And he was like, 18 years later, I still feel like a dick. And I was like, don't like, it's not, it's so un, it's so not important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's my son. He's driving home from, um, so you got into stand up. How long you been doing it? What so year? when I was in Ohio, I, I did the open mic thing where I, I spent about a year and a half, two years trying to get up. Oh, this was pre here. Yeah. Pre here. Where Ohio. were you? The Columbus funny bone? Yeah. I fucking so, love that. Club. Yeah, it's great. And so, but in Ohio, there was only like one mic I knew of and 50 comics trying to do an open mic every week. You never got on. Like I would go every week. I'd call off work, go. And I'd probably say I would go up once every two months. Like it was Shit. bad. There was so much competition and right. it was bad. Anybody else that I would know that was starting out with you around then? No, I don't even know who I was. Cause like, because you were, you could yeah. never get on stage. Yeah. Right. So, um, then the, the day Bob Hope died, I did a show. <laughs> okay. The day, the, day, the day Bob Hope died, yeah. I got on stage and I wanted to do this joke that I wrote about Bob Hope, but it was the day he died. But I was like, you know, Doug Stanhope would do it. You know, that, that's what yeah. I, I remember thinking. And I was, so I'm like, I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'm going to do it. So I get the... To, I go get on stage and I notice everybody in the audience is really old and there's a retirement home across the street that oh, they would give no. free tickets to a comedy show, but it was really just the open mic. Yeah. So f- this week the whole audience was old people and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to do a Bob Hope joke in front of all these old people. <laughs> and so I do the joke at the end of my set. I do the joke. I got booed and hissed off stage. You I'm, did? Yeah. I mean, it was, it really was offensive too. The old uh, yeah, and at the time, and uh, so I'm like, you know what? This is not worth it. I spent the last two months trying to get this, and now I got booed in his. I'm never going right. going on stage again. So I quit. And the joke, by the way, was uh, it was right after the you know 9/11 and all that stuff, and then we were at war, like it was just war news and stuff. So I was like, oh, did you guys hear Bob Hope died? Do you think they uh, flew his body to Iraq to entertain all the dead troops? <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> so you booed, yes, boo, boo, yes, boo. <laughs> So then, cut to like two years later, I moved to L.A. Two years later, so. Oh God. And that's a, that, that may be the definition of too soon at the time. <laughs> too yeah. soon, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, Doug Stano. So cut to a few, few, few years later, I'm hanging out with Joe Rogan. Joe knew I used to do stand-up. He's like, dude, you need to get back into stand-up. Yeah. I even think maybe the early episodes of the Joe Rogan podcast, somewhere in there, He's like, you need to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then like the next week I did it. So, so he started, like I would be on the road with him and he th- he would be like, Brian, you're opening up for me tonight. And I was like, it's a sold out show. And he goes, I don't care. You got about 10 minutes to get on stage. So uh, uh, he just threw me on stage. So I'm like trying to remember old jokes, looking at like notes that I had on my phone. Right. And uh, ever since then, you see, I mean, for like a good year, he would throw me in front of theaters of sold out thousands of people. And so I, not only did I do stand up, I 
was pushed into it like a cheat code almost. Yeah. And I learned fast. I had to learn fast because every week would be in a different city in front of hundreds to thousands of people. So I... That's amazing. Yeah. So I pretty much did open mic uh, when I was in LA. I'd do open mics every single day, like four times a day. And then on the weekends, I was opening up for Joe Rogan, thousands of people. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And so so I've been doing that for about five years maybe are you as open on stage as you are with your social media life oh yeah yeah it's i'm also a, a dirty comic um i'm not no I, i've seen you yeah i've followed the, the joe rogan doug stanhope dirtiness but i wouldn't consider look I, I i i i know you call it dirty but you take joe or doug and even you and joe diaz I only consider somebody a dirty comic if it's not honest. If you're good to laugh actor, they'll say something completely. Different. I know, I know, I know. But do you know what I mean? Like it's dirty if it's right. somebody saying it just to be oh, dirty. I agree with you. I you're agree. You're not dirty. Yeah, I'm you're not just you. going like car. No, fuck, no, you know, no, no. Gonna... Like, look, the water in a dinosaur's vagina would have never entered my head, right? But, right. but, the, but, so that's why I don't consider Stanhope dirty at all. I consider him to be genius. It's just how his brain works. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, so I, I hate it when people are labeled. Look, Joe Diaz goes to places in his set where you're like, what the fuck? But I never see anybody offended by anything he says. Right. Because there's something honest and sincere about what he's saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's a huge difference. You've seen sh- people who get on stage and you're like, that doesn't work because it seems like you're just saying dick or abortion just to say abortion. Just to say abortion. <laughs> right. Like, the, look, I'm, I'm a Jew. You, you got a good Holocaust joke? I'm ready to listen. Right. Because there are some funny ones. But to say Holocaust, just to say Holocaust, right. it doesn't work. Yeah. I, I, but you have to also think that you've never seen anyone offended at a Joey Diaz joke because he's not in front of the audience at the Hermosa Beach Comedy and Magic Club. Yeah, because he's not allowed to. But and I, but I did start with Joey. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. back in with in, in, in Seattle. Seattle. So I will tell you, his personality carried him through that because he's right. so likable. Yeah, you know what I mean. I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, he was so long. So you've been doing stand-up for like five years. I would say a solid five years. I started originally, though, you know, in Ohio, but I wouldn't even count that. But if you were to count just like the L.A. start, I'd probably say five to seven years. And how many how many shows a week, how many times on, are you on stage a week, you think? Uh, on average, two to three, maybe. And is we're, Depending when, if I go out of town. And when you tour now, you tour with Death Squad and you tour with Tony or... Yeah, I, that's another part of a job I do is booking. And I, I don't have like the 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 whole like improv circuit or if i have to actually contact these people and be like hey you know uh but it's kinda- so crazy because your reach look yeah you know somebody described you to me as when i was we were talking about you and somebody goes he's the most famous unfamous person in the world right your reach you reach your voice reaches millions of people millions yeah. that's not an exaggeration right yeah no it's it's millions and millions it, of and people it, every week and it's really insane that a lot of people don't know that because 
as an example, the comedy store, where I'm at tonight. Yeah. The only way I can get a spot at the comedy store is if I make the spot. That's like I like I don't get even friends and family. I barely get three minutes once in a while on a Sunday. You know, which That's is crazy. It is crazy. But what's crazier is that I'm telling the general manager this, like how how silly it is. And while I'm saying it, it's like, just watch me. How many people just come up to me and want to take a photo? And I can't even get up here. So like one night, I counted like seven people. Brian, oh my God, can I take your photo? No one else on the patio, I saw them go up to. No, right. like There was no one else taking photos. Here I am taking seven photos one night and, and autographing things. And I'm like... Isn't that crazy? I go to gym. Isn't that crazy to you that I, you know, I just I've taken like seven photos tonight, and I can't even get three minutes on here. That's insane. <laughs> but people are like, who are here at this comedy club? And are, you're selling when you do the Death Squad secret shows. You're selling those out for the most part. I mean, the the big ones like these ones. You know, the Ice House ones every week. Is, they're pretty small. But it's a different show, yeah, though. Di- but it's that's more show. like a workout room. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, these big ones, yeah, every show. And it's getting better, though, Like uh, because what happens is, is that I'll contact these clubs and be like, look, what's your off night? Wednesday, Thursday? Fine, I'll take Wednesday. Uh, you know, we'll do a, a weird door deal or whatever. Yeah. Then they'll say like, "Holy cow, you know, you didn't do radio. You didn't do any. You didn't. You know, we didn't radio. Aver- you we, don't yeah, have to do radio. Yeah, we we didn't advertise it, but you have 150 people here on a Wednesday yeah. with a two week notice. Like, like, and I'm like, yeah, that's you know, it would be nicer if you could have helped a little. But so now it's starting to get a little bit better. But I'm still doing the Doug Stanhope route, finding rock clubs, booking small off the. But that way, but road. you're cutting out the middleman. Yeah, yeah, which is... Well, it makes sense because you seemingly, from what you've said, you've fucking cut out the middleman from day one. Right. Because the middleman takes your money. Yeah, the middleman takes your money, tells you what to do or not do. Middleman changes and puts their own artist art into yeah. it. I Every single episode of Death Squad I've been on... So it's like, it's, uh, Dude, it's a, a very personal... Yeah. Death Squad's very personal. And you, I mean... I was telling, like, you do reach millions and millions of people. Okay, so through, and 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 I'll say this again, man. I don't know if pioneer is the right word, but you were at the forefront, you and Joe were at the forefront of a lot of this shit. Mm -hmm. I got two questions for you. One, because you know there's always a next. Now, podcasts seem to be, what I like about them is that, fuck, I mean, look, there have been laughs on this. But you don't need to have the thing about podcasts is people want to hear about the people who are talking, right? They're interested in you. It's personal. They're listening to it at their desk or in their car, but it's personal. It's like you are speaking directly to them. Does it get more personal in a podcast? Like, do you like what is to me? Periscope still it hasn't hit the way Instagram and Twitter and all those things hit. Right? Is there a next? Like this seems so personal. Yeah, there's definitely an X. And it's something that when I started Death Squad, I already knew was going to be in the future, but I knew it was going to be a while away. And that's why I called it TV. is that in the future, Apple TV, you're going to have, everyone's going to have a channel. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to download my channel and I put it on whatever I want. Yeah. So next to NBC 
is the Josh Wolf channel. Then it's Jeff from down the street in the county channel. <laughs> but you can you can download your a Facebook TV channel type thing to like it's going to be and it'll come across on your TV. So like DeathSquad.tv is going to be a channel, and we're going to have our own TV shows, which is the podcast, which is what I've been trying to do since the beginning is right. make Death Squad a, a, a network, a channel, a TV network. So, um, which is the initial idea was you download Death Squad, you get right. all of the people. And Death Squad, since day one, has always been video and audio. And so I've been mixing multiple cameras on all the episodes. And, and so I'm just sitting on so much stuff yeah. right now. Because yeah. you also have how many hours of footage, if you put up Death Squad TV and one of the channels was vintage, mm-hmm. just whatever the name right. is, you have some vintage footage. That is just yeah, shit that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, how many hours do you think? Hundred? I don't know, man. It's I mean, just all the podcasts alone on Death Squad. I think we're up to like eight hundred episodes or something like oh, that, fuck. or something crazy. Yeah. So, what do you? Because I know what I think podcasts have done for stand up. What do you think the the podcast like has done for stand up comedy in general? Um, it really targets your audience. Like, like nowadays when I go to have a death squad show, everyone knows me. They're not getting tickets just to see a comedian. Right. They know me and they know everything about me, which really opens the door into comedy because I can do jokes that in the uh, previous I wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. You know, so it opens up new jokes just because the people know you, like have an autobiography of you. I mean, they they know everything about you. So you can say things like I can mention my dog Wiki and people would know who Wiki is. You know, where in the past you can't be a comedian and be like, yeah, I'm Wiki. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck's a Wiki? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that also, by the way, that must help them enjoy the jokes. Yes. And also, I bet you because they know you, you get laughs in places you didn't think you'd get laughs. Yeah, absolutely. Because they know your personality. Absolutely. And because of podcasts, like you said earlier, you could go longer format because they already are used to hearing you talk for three hours. So now you could do a 10 minute joke about eating mushrooms and swimming with dolphins and like they will listen, you know? Yeah. Well, I like what, what for me, what I like the most about what has changed is that it's Mm, in a quick Twitch, I need everything now and quick YouTube almost world, the podcast has slowed people's brain down a little bit. And so when they go to comedy shows, they're a little more tolerant. Mm-hmm. Listen, if the first four minutes of the story isn't filled with punchlines, but it's interesting or entertaining, they, they're, the podcast listener is cool with that. Whereas I would tell you 10 years ago, it was more like you need more punchlines. Oh yeah, jokes per minute was the thing when I jokes per minute. Yeah, yeah jokes was per minute. was the big right. thing. You had to have you know a joke every ten seconds or something like that. Yeah, I mean it was like, but it to me it ruined stories mm-hmm. and it took a little bit of the authenticity of the comic away. It sounded more like a comic. What you would you you think a comic? Yeah. Without going to a comedy show, like 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 ba 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 doo ba da ba ba da boo, you know, like <laughs> yeah. like there was almost a tempo to it. Where now it's more like spoken word or or something. No, it's it's more of a performance. Yeah, like you're allowed to. And you know what? As a, for me, what I like about it is it slowed me down on stage. I found myself even five six years ago. I performed at such a frenetic pace. 
because I felt like I needed to because I felt like people's attention span wasn't and I spoke louder than I should have and I moved a lot more than I should have and you know I never had the microphone in the stand and now the last six months I would say especially I've been like walk on stage first 10 15 minutes don't take the mic out of the stand mm. stand there mm-hmm. and just it's interesting yeah I've tried that a few times I, because it you it's know what different it, it's different you know what else it did some jokes work better yeah it was such a crazy experiment like some jokes when I slowed it down and wasn't as frenetic didn't work as well that told me two things one the actual joke wasn't as good mm-hmm do you know what I mean? Right. The actual It was punch- all about the, the dang cookiness of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a good verb. But like, and then then I was like, okay. It took me a little while, and then I was like, okay, that doesn't bother me that much. Because I would tell you, and I don't know about you, but as far as going to see a stand-up, I would bet you most people who go to see stand-up are more interested in the performance than they are in the actual words. You have to be a performer of some kind. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was like, you know, at first I was like, well, then I, if these aren't as funny when I'm not moving, I'm going to get rid of them. And then I was like, no, some jokes are, I'm just going to call more physical. Yeah. But it was interesting. Like, the best thing about comedy to me is like fucking golf. Mm-hmm. I learn something almost every time I go on stage where I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe the microphone in the stand made that joke work better. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, me sitting on a stool made that fucking joke work better. I, that shit to me is fucking fascinating. It's why I, look, I love stand-up and I love comedians because I know that getting it on stage in front of a room full of 500 people who have maybe nothing in common and making all those people laugh is a fucking daunting task. And it takes huge stones, right? So that's why for me, like, I don't begrudge anybody and how they go about it and what they do. But I also am fucking fascinated because I know you can never be perfect. Yeah. I was always the shy kid too. So like, you when were? I, yeah. So when I started comedy, it, it was hard getting over the whole shyness thing. Like, well, how did that stage. affect you on stage? Did you keep your head down? No, I, uh, I actually, I don't have any comment. I never put comedy online, mm-hmm. uh, yet, but, uh, the only comedy I do have online was when I, the first time I ever did comedy and it was from, uh, 2004. And so it was me on stage in 2004 doing standup. And I, you could tell I was kind of nervous. I was just a little faster than I would be yeah. now, but, uh, uh, I, it's still, it, I, that was one of the biggest things ever doing that for me, like personal accomplishment. And it, when I started opening up for Rogan in front of like thousands of people, yeah, dude. it would get so bad that I would get off stage, go in the green room and I would just be grabbing my stomach in pain because my stomach hurt so bad from nerves. Like I could almost not walk for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes after I got off stage. Has, do, so much pain. has been doing, has doing standup helped your confidence? Like, do you walk around a more confident dude? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, it's just talking, I guess, because yeah. it's... Uh, well, for a f- shy guy, yeah, you sure are out there. Right. A, a I know, I'm having lot. sex on camera and something Yeah, like that. I was going to say, but, for but, a shy... But I'm not shy when it's like technology for some reason. Like if it's through technology or it's through anything that's not just me and a guy meeting at a subway. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's... <laughs> <laughs> It, it's yeah. like using the the technology thing somehow 
I don't know, changes. And for comedy, just being on stage, uh, I think that's just because uh, my comedy is fun for me because it's so insane and some of it's so insane yeah. that it makes me laugh just seeing the responses of people's faces. On people's faces. Yeah. And it's always been like that, you know, like, you know, like, like if I say something to my friend, I just want to see what his reaction is, or I want to see what the reaction is of somebody of me saying something. Have you ever, can you think of a joke that you've done recently where you were like, this isn't going to go well, but I just want to see what people do. Yeah. There's a joke that I often say on stage that's, always a uh this is what when people go find out that that i'm a comic yeah this is the joke that i give to them which is like a joke that used to be about somebody else when i was a kid and then i've upgraded the name to make it more make sense now but it's my go-to comedy like oh tell me a joke you're a comedian i hate that and i hate it so much that's (laughs) that's the thing i hate so much so i decided i need to make a joke that you can tell people that i can tell people Uh that will make them never say that again (laughs) And it's not even it's, it's not even that bad, but yeah. I just want to see them go. Oh well, because those type of people that say "tell me a joke," yeah. they're not expecting like that. Yeah. They, you know, so I, I I go, you know, what's black and on top of a stairway? Uh, Stephen Hawking after a fire, and so. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> and so many people just are like, "Oh, that's not nice. That's that's oh, that's awful." Uh, <laughs> uh, did you? Uh, you said it used you, to be uh, Christopher Reeves. Oh yeah, you could update the Christopher Reeves to this. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, no one Those knows are interchangeable Reeves. jokes. Yeah, no one knows Christopher Reeves anymore, do they? Like, like this young generation doesn't know it. No, they don't know <laughs> Christopher Superman. Reeves. What's what's his name? Are you um, are you caught up in? the political cycle right now at all no i don't i mean the trump thing freaks me out it scares me especially that i don't know if you saw the daily show uh or how funny was that or that thing that where he john oliver yeah that That was was, brilliant i have to tell you you know you brought up the three minute clip and i remember when i looked at the clip i'm like that's 21 minutes i'm gonna get through four minutes maybe right and when it ended i was like i wish that went another 20 minutes that was that was was genius it was amazing zero fat would you say that? No, it's 21 perfect. minute it's video, perfect. zero fat, and he fucking threw haymakers the entire time. But yet Trump's still ahead. You know what's crazy to me? And what is even insane to me, like, look, you know, Trump has mentioned a couple things that I haven't heard any other any other candidate mention, right? He does mention Common Core and education and all that stuff. A little more. I by the way, I'm not voting for Trump. I don't want anyone to think that. Mm. But every time I think Are you feeling the burn? I don't know about the Bernie. Clayton, right, you're a Clayton guy. I am. I wouldn't. I'm. I'm so squarely in the middle. I. I. Fiscally, I'm conservative, and socially, I'm as liberal as I can get. Where's my party? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's. I'm very common sensey, but I like. Look, I would consider myself a feminist. I really would. I also own a gun. I also. And fiscally, like, I'm not sure that I want to do everything that Bernie Sanders says. The thing that scares me most about Trump, you see those videos every day of black people being pushed out of their... Oh, God, I know. But there are neo-Nazis doing podcasts from his rallies. They stay. Yeah. That is insane to me. It is. It is. That means the people who are there, who are at his rallies, are like, those people have to go. Totally cool. Cool. Those those guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> totally cool with those people staying. Yeah. Are you? Are you? So you do? Are you going to vote? No, I don't vote because I don't want court uh, jury duty. So I never. <laughs> <laughs> I never do that. So uh, no. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, I haven't voted since uh, as a pro. Who, uh, I don't know. For who would you vote for? Uh, I would do the burn. Uh, I like Clinton. I, I had no problem with Hillary just because I like Bill so much. Yeah. And I think it would be like pretty sane, close. Pretty I agree. Close. Uh, I like Bernie because he actually is more common sensey talky to me. Yes. And that's all I want. I just want common sense. Like I want him to be like this, this, this. And I'll be like, hey, man, that makes sense. Yeah. Not not just some crazy lie. And, and I really do think Bernie is on the right side of it. And you know, he doesn't make, and we all know like once you become president, it's not even him anyways. Yes. So, so I would at least want a common sensey guy to go, Hey, so we're attacking Iraq because we want to their oil, you know, yeah. like, at least he would say up that. Front. Yeah. Where I think Trump, like I, that, that report they did the other day where they, they took like, like all his stuff that he says he's going to do. And they got it like a think tank and they were like, oh yeah, 70% of it is, would never work. And never. it's a lie. Never <laughs> but, but you know, most politicians run on things. Look, if you look at what Obama ran on, I mean, he did get Obamacare through and I voted for Obama because at the time the options were not great, but most people, when they run on shit, they can yeah. never do it because at the end of the day, the president is isn't as powerful. Mm-hmm. Like we have Congress and Senate and all that shit that kind of like to jump up and go, "Fuck you, right. we're not doing that." There she is. Hi. You good, babe? You coming out to get something to eat? Yeah, I'm starving. Um, I, we need to make some dinner. Um, all right. Tell everybody where they can find you and your stuff. And yeah, so and my- by the way, man, I, I um I always knew. Uh, the hustle, but uh, hearing your story is fucking was great. And uh, uh, tracing back to how what your dad had you do to- makes it makes sense. Yeah, how who you are makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. Be- you find a way to fix something or do something or see what's next because that's what your dad seems like he was always doing, right? Yeah, never. It wasn't sports. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. But, that's why I, I don't know anything about sports. But you don't fuck. But maybe you might invent the next sport, right? In your sim, yeah. Tell maybe. people. Uh, so the easiest thing is just DeathSquad.tv. That's everything I do, and uh, you can click on tour dates. Like I'm going to be. The big thing is I'm going to be in uh, this month. I'm going to be in Houston, March 11th at the House of Blues. Oh, nice. Who are you and, going with? Uh, George Perez, a very funny uh, comedian. Yep. Uh, and then March 12th and 13th, we'll be in Austin, right outside of South by Cap Southwest. Uh, no, we do this really cool place called the Spider House Ballroom. I've done Cap City before. I love it. But this little Spider House Ballroom, it's a nice little, cool little really? room. I love it. And it has the best sound system I've ever been at. And I want to film my special there Is just because of the sound system. No, it's like a place that's like for music, I would say. Uh-huh. But uh, it's just a really cool place. And this yeah. is these are places, by the way, you're booking yourself. Yeah, yeah. So anybody who listens to this, you guys know how much I enjoy Hustle. So yeah. help this dude's hustle. Yeah, and then Death Squad uh, San Jose, March 18th and 19th with Kate Quigley and George. So it's gonna I be, love Kate. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, I, I, I really... You know what I love the most about Kate? You know, I know there are probably women who are like, don't dress, don't do bikini, don't... But She's she, a hustler. 
if you haven't had her, if you haven't had her on this podcast, she's a hundred percent hustle. I, I know she and I were supposed to do a podcast together, and they hadn't. They didn't tell me that the studio we usually do it out of right. was closed. So she and I showed up, but she's going to get back on. What I also love about her, in a very Jenny McCarthy kind of way, you know what Jenny used to do when they used to be like, "Hey, will you be in Playboy? Will you be whatever." She would get sexy, but then she would cross her eyes or she would stick out her tongue, right. basically daring you to jerk off to a goofy <laughs> exactly. picture. Exactly. Kate does the same thing. Yeah, she's great. I, I, you know, I love being on the road with her, and and also like we uh, we did like the AVNs. Like I'm on the opening yeah. for the AVNs. We no, did, I like, saw a the skit. sketch. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. <laughs> but uh, I really love that that like she does have so many haters, and that's uh, from other comics that are like, why is she doing that? She's she in a bikini again. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the cool thing about it is how she's just. She's just doing the hustle. Like she, she. If you listen to her talk about things, like her ideas, like like on Val or was it Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve? She went to Hollywood Boulevard and set up like this kissing or this thing that looked like you're at a a New Year's Eve party, and she's like selling photos for like ten dollars to send to your friends. Like, oh my God, look what I did for New Year's Eve. I'm with a hot blonde girl in a bikini at a party. So like, that's amazing. Yeah, she's just doing fun things just to like do it, and she. She, she works so hard. Yeah. No, no. She, we're going to have long. her back on here for sure. Um, and listen, man, you know, and anybody who um, I would tell you guys, like we like to support people who hustle. So if you see that Red Band's coming to your town. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super up. active on Twitter and Periscope. Yeah. So Red Band, R-E-D-B-A-N on Twitter. And guys, um, I'm going to put this out on tomorrow. So this weekend, you guys know I'm, I'm in Cincinnati. Weekend after... I know. Uh, uh, drama told me to go to Svensson's. Svensson's burgers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is it good? Yeah, yeah. He is it called Svensson's? Uh, something like that. Yes, Swanson's or Swanson's. Because Swanson's. Swanson's. he told me better than In and Out. I don't think In and Out's that amazing. What? What? You don't think In and Out's good? No, I think it's all right. I think the fries are boring, and okay. uh, I think the burgers okay. I, is there a burger in town you like more? You like fat burger? Um, it's all right. No. Good burger. I would. I like the habit. Habit's good. Habit's good. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't know anymore. I just. I just remember hearing so much about In and Out, and then yeah. when I went to it, Let I was down. just like, yeah. I mean, I. I grew up with Wendy. You know. Uh, I don't like Wendy at all. No, I mean, my parents, my mom worked for Wendy's headquarters, the, oh. and so, like, I knew Wendy and Dave Thomas. Was, oh, the actual yeah, Wendy. Yeah, and then every year for Christmas, Dave Thomas would dress up as Santa Claus, and so I have pictures of me as a kid with Dave Thomas. That's so. a great fucking story. And then story. I have a, a, a redhead fetish now. You do? Yeah, I don't know. What, I think it's just from being around redhead Did Wendy you, all day. Maybe you call Wendy and see what she's doing. No, she's not my type. <laughs> She'll get red hair. Doesn't yeah, but she? she's, yeah, but can't cover it. Never oh, yeah. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I will be, guys, in New York at Gotham. Oh, I love that place. Me too. The 11th, 12th, 13th of March. And the weekend after that, the Comedy Zone in Charlotte. I think it's the 17th. I'm doing four nights there. I don't usually do. Wow, four se- nights. 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Later. <laughs>